You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is On Principle Challenges of Jewish Education, and I have the great schus and COVID to be with Rabbi Tzchok Adlerstein, who is the Director of Interfaith Affairs for, now remember, I always say this incorrectly, so I want you to say it, the Simon... Wiesenthal. Oh, I get it. Okay, those seven Wiesenthal's under yes. I, it should be it should be emblazoned in my memory, but somehow Wiesen and Wiesen, I always get that mixed up. And I, I I know you're going to correct me a lot, but I didn't want you to correct me about where you get your main paycheck from. So I didn't want there that that to be a mistake. Yes, but of course, Rabbi Yitzchak is we're off to more, a good start, Yeah, well, I'm 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 deferring to you, but of course, Rabbi Yitzchak is much more than just the interfaith the director of interfaith affairs for uh for that center. I, I forgot to say it. <laughs> Call it SWC. <laughs> yes, but he of course is the um the uh, the uh, creator developer um head honcho uh, ish importante on uh, of cross currents which of course we talked about before but i want to i want to take you back to la for a minute because i was doing a deep dive as you know you helped me a little bit uh because uh, uh you know i don't want to say this but the, the, the rams won the super bowl okay but uh, clearly only bischosatara <laughs> it was the Chazor at LA. They had to go to the Golas first. Um, but because of that, uh, as part of what I do, I figured, you know what? I think I can maybe get people who are interested to hear about Chuvis from Los Angeles and uh, various, whether it was Gitin or other Shilas about, uh, uh, about beachfront properties or psychiatrists and their wives. I, I collected quite a, a, an array of, of material. And I also did a little deep dive into LA history. And what I noticed was reading about it and learning about it was that LA is a powerful city for Tzedakah, of course, throughout the world. There's no question about that. Um, Chabad and others realize that. And, and you're um, you know, Marvin Heyer, Rabbi Heyer and others have known that. Eretz Yisrael knows it. But what, what I realized was it isn't just a place of rich Jews. It's a place that has a, an incredibly variegated uh, Jewish community. And especially what happened, I think, and again, maybe it's the last 20, 30 years. I know that uh, there, there were many other stalwarts who, who planted the idea of, of true Haredi, diktuk amitzvot there, without any pshoras. But I think especially now, people can look at LA, not just, oh, hey, California, at least for the last few last few decades, a person could say, I'm going to live a Haredi life and I can find it in California. I can find it in Los Angeles in terms of where I'm going to send my school, the type of shul I'm going to daven at, uh, the type of uh, grocery store or supermarket that I uh, frequent, the type of food that I bring when I'm able to get. You know, as, of course, which is not true in, 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 in other cities. I know it's true in Chicago that I spent 20 years in. Uh, and that, I think, is, is something that needs to be remarked about, that for years you would say, well, you know, if you live in, in Williamsburg, you live in New York, you live within, you live in Muncie, perhaps, or in Lakewood, there you can live a Haredi life. But, but it, it, in certain places, and of course, you need the infrastructure, which you were, you were there while it was being built and was being solidified, but I think it's 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 a sign of the healthiness of the Haredi world 
that it's not just in New York anymore. You can have Haredi life in other places. I don't know. Again, the list is small. Maybe Cleveland uh, might be another place. Detroit, somewhat. Um, again, you know, Atlanta. This, I guess, it could go back and forth. You visited. Is this is is this a sign that um, the viability of of Haredi life, especially, and again, before we get to Eretz Yisrael, remember in Europe, <laughs> if we would call it a frum chsidish or slash yeshivish Haredi life. That that those it took off in very small cities, right? Small hamlets and towns. So talk a little bit about what you remember from LA, and talk about that phenomenon and why it was able to be transplanted from uh, New, the Northeast New York area throughout the uh, from sea to shining sea. Well, two two things I I'd like to to throw in. Uh, one is there's a stereotype um, been around for many decades. It still persists today that of all places where you'd want to plant Torah, there are a few places you would not think that Torah would have any chance of surviving. One would be uh, Vegas, where it's, which is growing by leaps and bounds. And uh, the stereotype is blown there too, but in a much larger scale in Los Angeles. Tinseltown, pizzas. Materialism uh, and that that proved to be that proved to be a shaker. Los Angeles is a place where yes, there were some people who made lots of money, and there there are some neighborhoods where the socio and economic level goes up with every block further to the to the east. But then they all send their kids to the same schools, and uh, there there was this commonality of people recognizing that there. Were, uh, trying to live a a life of complete diktuk and halacha and putting Torah on its proper pedestals. And I would say, this is only anecdotal, we don't have any hard evidence, but anecdotally, as a parent, I think LA did a, has a better track record for producing good, solid kids than some areas of the, uh, of the East Coast. Uh, so people were more aware of the allure of what was out there and overcompensated, at least compensated for it. And that it, it did prove, does prove that uh, that Torah really is more powerful than a lot of other things in a sense. And this is the other point that it almost conflicts with what some people think is a core principle of Haredism, which is that you can only live a proper Torah life uh, when surrounded by an alien culture through isolation. In L.A., you, you couldn't have that isolation. All, all the stuff, you know, that we lived a block from Melrose Avenue, which was one of the I remember. weird places on the face of the earth and every kind of, of cultural, I wouldn't say norm, but abnorm was, uh, was practiced there. And uh, it, it, you raise kids to be sort of oblivious to it or to, to think of how fortunate we are that we have so much that's much better and has more allure than any of that. And it, act, it actually worked. It actually worked. We produced really, really good kids when they went back east. Uh, yes, some of the kids, not all, but some of them were at a disadvantage relative to some of the elitist 
uh, elementary schools in, uh, in, in New York, but they quickly passed, uh, you know, caught up. And by the time they got to the mirror, after high school, you couldn't really see any, you couldn't see any difference anymore. Other than, than maybe the kids were a drop more worldly and, uh, should I say it, a little less insecure, really, about, the, about their Yiddishkeit. So it, it, it showed the vitality of, of, a, of a Haredi existence that surpassed even its adherents' belief in its vitality. It was a, a, an experiment that, that really worked. Now, it's, it's, it's being conducted in other areas as well. My oldest son lives in Dallas, and there, in much quicker uh, uh, period of time than L.A. L.A. evolved over many decades, but a, a group of, uh, of people led by, by, by Chaim Berlin started a, started a kolol and, turned, and really planted a Torah presence so that today, Torah Day School is a beautiful, beautiful school with hundreds of kids. And there are a number of, uh, of shuls uh, in, in, two, in two different, maybe three different neighborhoods by now. And this all happened pretty quickly. But the animating element still was a community colo. And that is what happened in L.A., uh, it's not true that the Colo put LA on the map. LA was a community in formation. It had its own Sadiqim. It had some marvelous Rebbes who came over and who were real pioneers and who lived their lives and had their small followings and they built institutions and they brought Chal of Yisrael and they built and they built Mikvos and they then they built the Haredi, Haredi Day School. Uh, but what gave it a different kind of focus, one that would appeal to young people from other cities who would come and, and live there because now they felt that there was a Makam Torah. It was the Lake Wicola that did that. And in, in, in retrospect, uh, L.A. owes a lot to the pioneers of the decades who came before, but it certainly owes a lot as well to the Lakewood Colo for putting a completely different face on LA, one that is uh, still the, uh, the, the, the regnant face of the right of center Torah community uh, to, today. Right. You know, uh, let me respond to a couple of things. You know, I, I did spend a good amount of time in Los Angeles and I'm very familiar. And again, I have to be Moskrim with the Rav Chaim Fassman, who was an incredible person. And really, I, uh, I, I've rarely found someone as Ehrlich as he was uh, in, in all my dealings. And he was, uh, he was a, a, a really a tzaddik for me in my mind, uh, the interactions I had with him. Uh, and, and I think, there, of course, there is a difference between, you know, the Kailalim as we know, and as you said, the Rebbes and the Tzadikim, part of what, although the lake would, they call it a community kailo, and of course there was learning at night, but there's also the idea that these men would matriculate into the community. And therefore, yes. when, when I came, I was Chavrusas with Rav Gershon Bess and with Rav Israel Tauber. Those were my Chavrusas because I, I, because I went there to, as a prophet to be part of the kailo. Of course, those men didn't just stay in as being Choshev Yungalite, they were being primed to actually move out, to actually, uh, so it wasn't just, <laughs> it was we're learning and now we're going to become leaders and, and, and that's going to be recognized. But, but I think there's another thing, you know, you mentioned that in some ways 
the if, whether it's LA and we can we can put Chicago in there and maybe Dallas, uh, Nancy and Dallas, uh, is that there is a certain you called it insecurity. I think there's a certain a comfortability of being an out of town person. Uh, again, I'm an out of towner, and and I know that when we talk about shaduchim and other things, they say I, they want the out of town mentality. So to be able that what is that out of town mentality? There's a certain um, lack of in Yiddish. Would say is this say He's not so um, uh, intense and 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 pushy. There's a certain comfortability and acceptance, uh, and a certain wide-eyed wonder and lack of cynicism. There is something about the New York area, especially whether it's the crowd or uh, or the, there's something in the air that you you get a certain lack of midos that you need to fight against. Um, and part of it is the sense of empowerment. Part of it is the sense of, you know, monkey see, monkey do. But the out-of-town kids, as we know, are not as pushy, not as aggressive. And when you create Haredi enclaves or Haredi uh, there, they're going to be suffused with that out-of-town mentality as well. Um, and I think the set and the reason why that's true is not only because you have the open space, it's not only because the homes are bigger and you have a big backyard and you're able to, in a way, not feel that the pressure of one person on top of the other. I think it's also the idea that you need to be connected to the, the middle of the road or the modern Orthodox Hevra as well, more than you would be in uh, it, it, let's say in Lakewood or in Muncie or in uh, in the heart of Brooklyn. Uh, you're right. The the Haredi with the Kavul there functioned, but we know that they also made bridges with Yula. They made bridges with and those Rabbanim. I don't know if they would call themselves Haredi. I know that uh, um, you know. I know that Rav Teichman was a friend of mine, and I know Rav Nachum Sauer. Those are definitely what you would call. You wouldn't say they're not Haredi, but they were all weren't they. Uh, in a way, uh, ministering to a less than Haredi Balabatim. And therefore, uh, even in the schools where you said the beautiful schools they went to, it wasn't like every kid um, was uh, a cookie cutter Haredi image. They, there, there had to be that sort of mixture still uh, as, as the dough was forming. Uh, am I am I am I t- speaking? I remember in Chicago what it was like. The Haredi Chadarim uh, needed those families that probably, when they looked in the mirror, didn't call themselves Haredi, but they needed to work with them. And the Rabbanim also worked with Sheet of Pu'ula. I, I think you're onto something. I'm not sure whether it was a a cause or an effect. Of the growth of the uh, the Haredi kernel that uh, that blossomed, uh, yes, there there was uh, they they have more to do with with uh, at times with uh, Rabbanim on the other side of town and the other side of the divide. Although that divide became became uh, stronger and thicker after a while without really changing the, uh, the, the, the character of, of living there. I, I would attribute a little bit more to the, the subtle understanding that Jews in an out-of-town community feel more connected because they feel that they're fighting against something and that they all need each other to be able to, to, uh, to, make, this, to make this project work. 
So whereas in very, very old established communities, cookie cutter communities, sort of everybody trying to be somebody special and there's a kind of competition which is not healthy uh, and, and, and everybody within very, very narrow parameters trying to, to make a mark for themselves, which often leads to the cynicism and to the arrogance, et cetera. In an out-of-town community like L.A., when, when we were there and our kids were growing up, there was this feeling that we're sort of all in it together and we, we, can't, we can't hang separately. We all have to hang together. Because look, you know, look what's in, encroaching on us. Look what's, you know, within our, with our, within on, on our very blocks, and that that helped a lot. I think it's part of the the same the same phenomenon that uh, uh, that Chabad Shluchim have an excellent record of retention of having very few dropouts among their own kids because the kids grow up with a sense of mission of participating in something bigger. And uh, when when you give people that sense of mission, they are much more likely to hang on to it and to stay within it and not question who needs all of this and I want to walk out. Uh, this is something that's been a, a, a pet concern of mine for, for many years, that that uh, the current generation, even the generation before, uh, was, was being like industrially rolled out. Of a, of a certain process is from Jews, but but not with the sense of mission of their parents, and that that is today one of the greatest causes for our for our dropout rate. And when you give people a sense of mission that they know what they're trying to build and trying to accomplish, there's a much stronger sense of purpose and commitment and even understanding of what the whole thing's all about. Which, which also could allow them to include in that sense of purpose, even people who aren't necessarily as medactic in Kalva Hamura like they are, and, and, and allowing them to see the Midas and their Herets, the Tzedakah that might be even stronger in the modern Orthodox community than it might be in the Haredi community. Now, you're right, the, as the numbers get bigger, as the institutions become more solidified, there's a sense, like you say, of the, the divide. But I think in, 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 in formation, you know, you know, those elements are still there. Um, it's sort of like when we, when we look back and, you know, we think about um, – you know, the letters that went from Rav Yoshaber to Rav Moshe, you know, how close they were. Of course, they were cousins, but there was also, you know, there's also the sense they're all biyachad. You know, when we think about America in the 50s and the 60s, and even, you know, the difference in the Stadras Arabonim, the RCA, and, and the Agudas Arabonim, there was so much cross-pollination that was going on. And I think that, um, you know, we knew where they were different, but there was always a, 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 a very, in, I think, obvious dialogue. And I think that that is something that you had more in those out-of-town communities. And I would say Dallas, um, and I know, you know, I'm, I'm, Ari Feigenbaum was my student. I don't know if you know, of course, or Ari, he's a, he's a real, he's, he's an incredible person. Um, and and I think that once you, you, you saw the blueprint happen in places like Chicago, in and L.A., so then you could now replicate it and it could happen quicker. I think the other factor is, and the, and the OU knew this uh, uh, many, many years ago, was that New York could not uh, contain and would not be able to uh, provide enough jobs and enough uh, teaching positions uh, for 
the younger light and four people who wanted to live a Haredi life. There was a sense that people would turn around and say, look, we got to get out of here. And for some people who can afford it, it's Muncie or Lakewood or you know, other places now. But some people would say, hey, let's, let's throw, I don't want to use this term, but you know, a uh, <laughs> let's throw the toss, the Hail Mary as we would, and let's try it. They're, they're starting a coil there. Let's try it. And I think that was part of what, uh, why, whereas originally, I think the LA Hevra, it wasn't like, oh, New York, uh, there's not enough room in New York. There's not enough apartments. We have to move to Los Angeles. Uh, it was more the children of, of, like you say, the original stalwarts who came back, who had a sense of, of being home. But the, the immigrants <laughs> coming from New York, because there isn't any room here. There's not enough money to go around. I think that's another cause for why. Where can we start again? Houston, where I was, uh, it's Kalo and it's Hever, I think had a little, are having a little harder time than Dallas. I don't know if you were in Houston recently or not, but uh, they also have a Shane Island, but it's nothing like Dallas. And I think that part of it is, you know, there's a certain Segula to, uh, to make it work. And uh, part of it is the the Nesias Chain by the other Rabbonim and everything else in order to welcome this type of uh, element in order to realize that this just strengthens Yiddishkeit, it strengthens things. Um, and, I, and I think that's where those communities are thriving. One thing I think that we can say about Haredi, the success of the Haredi experiment outside of New York, is that secular studies uh, are pretty well ensconced there. I think, right? I think that one could say that unlike, you know, the scandalum that you're hearing in, in New York, and I'm not sure exactly which schools are, 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 are under the radar and are, 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 are being under the laser beam or whatever you want to call it, uh, being attacked uh, in New York for not really having secular studies. And I can tell you, I taught in some Haredi schools in the secular department, so I know how much of a chukabatulu it is. I think the ones out of town, even the ones that are sort of like, you know, we don't need the modern Orthodox kids anymore because we have enough from the B'nai Torah, the Yeshiva light. I think the secular studies there is on, is, 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 there's a commitment for it to be really something solid and not just uh, to be its design. Was that your sense too? Uh, only partially. Um, I, I think that in some of the cities that we're talking about secular studies, is a mite better than it was in some of the schools, some of the schools in the tri-state area, but that's only relative. I, I used to say, maybe somewhat unfairly, I'm very, I'm very critical and have high standards, that um, my kids all wound up functionally illiterate, <laughs> which, which wasn't so terrible. They wound up teaching themselves a lot of things and you know, I, uh, I uh, have uh, seven sons and one daughter. I think I only have one kid who graduated high school, but I wow. have three attorneys. But I have three attorneys. <laughs> I hear they got, uh, yeshiva, they got the yeshiva degrees. They, they got the yeshiva degrees and uh, they, they, were, they were quick learners and uh, they, they, they learned the ropes. Um, what about their kids? Are, but, are, are let, their, let, me, are, let me finish on this. I think a lot of it depends, and I, I hope we don't have to go into detail, on sort of the yeshiva from which they came. There, there are still very key differences 
between Yeshiva X and Yeshiva Y. And the Chinuch in LA was shaped to a large extent by one particular shita, one particular ideology from one East Coast Yeshiva. Dallas succeeded, I think, more quickly. And Torah Day School in Dallas does have excellent, does have excellent secular studies. And not because they have to win anybody's favor. The, uh, the others have their own, the, their own day school. But the parents, the parents want it. But that is because of a certain leeway that was given to them by a different Rosh Hashiva, who will not apply the same leeway to his East Coast headquarters. So it gets it gets kind of complex. So, so in other words, there was a Hiroshima for Dallas to to include a, 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 a healthy, thriving secular studies program, whereas perhaps in, in, in here you're saying in, in the Northeast, in New York, it wouldn't have been as as vibrant. It wouldn't have been it's as robust. It's not just that. It's that there's a there's an active campaign to to eliminate it. I, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on the air, but uh, one of the uh, the stories I like repeating is of uh, somebody who came over to Shmuel in the last couple of years and uh, said, uh, you know, the Rosh Hashiva is going to be very proud of me. I finally did what everybody is doing. I finally did the right thing and eliminated all the Mudechol from my institution. And Shmuel reportedly deadpanned the guy he said, really? How are they ever going to be able to fill out their federal entitlement program forms? <laughs> That's what Roshmul said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, which is, again, Roshmul, we could probably do a whole show about the amazing personality of Roshmul. At, at least three shows. At yeah. least three shows. Look, he is, he is someone that... Um, is 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 a, a like his father, I guess, but even more so because there's so much more on record from him in this area than his father. Because um, uh, you know, on one hand, he is open-minded; you could talk to him about anything. He is um, he is a tremendous con- conversationalist and someone who understands uh, things that are happening in the world. On the other hand, his yeshiva uh, I, I, again. They they do have a certain standard, but you wouldn't say that the Bochum and Philly, um, you know, are are worried about their SAT scores. I don't think that that's something you wouldn't that, say about their SAT scores. Remember that they did have until relatively recently they had a uh, a policy of having excellent Limudechol. That was when Rav Yaakov was there. It it changed. In you know, Philly has always had a partnership of two Rosh Yeshiva, so it depends on who had more influence. Mm. So the uh, the the level declined somewhat in Philly, but I should tell you that I have sat a good number of times, very late on Lil Shabbos. Whenever I'm in Philly, I I go over to visit my uh, Yedid Neman, uh, Rav Shalom Kamenetsky. Uh, who's a, who's a master educator besides being like a flaming genius and listening to the conversation uh, as as the the Bachram from the high school sat around the table and asked intelligent questions, process things uh, 
far differently than I've seen in, in, in other places and had a wealth of knowledge. Not all of them, but many of them. Look, Philly is still alive. Look, Philly takes, there are two, again, I can, you know, talk shop here for a minute here, but, you know, there are two yeshivas on the East Coast that zero in on the best and the brightest. They have a, they take a limited amount of students. And we all know, as you said before, you can learn on your own, but, but if you take someone who is, is the top, top, and that's what Philly and tells Riverdale, those are the two top High, high schools. So obviously, they are the the boys that go into Bismedrish there are going to not just be your run of the mill, closed. I don't know anything else. They the, the reason why they're there is because of their ability to think, to analyze, and they are obviously mature, and they can take it. I, I guess what I was trying to say is is that I I think that you know I, I want to move this to Eretz where you are now. You know we would say to let's say a Haredi boy from LA, from Chicago, from certain enclaves. Let's let's compare it to where you are now. Because they would say what? Right? Would would would, would they recognize each other? Would there be it, it, does it mean when you cross the ocean? Does is is, is the change not just the difference between Israeli and American in terms of uh, let's say I wouldn't call it militancy. But in terms of uh, the the firmness and the and the and, and the fervor of what it means to be a Haredi and the the uh, the lack of compromise that I think is an Eretz Yisrael that you don't have over here, and yet both of them would still call themselves Haredi. Why don't you uh, talk, speak to that a little bit? Yeah, this is a <laughs> this is an ongoing problem. You have two groups, both of them call themselves Haredi and have a, a lot in common. The important things they, they really do share, the diktik and halacha and the elevating of lima Torah on a very, very high pedestal. And yet, when push comes to shove, Israeli Haredi don't regard most Americans as being fully Haredi. They say by definition, the things that a Haredi is, a Haredi is isolationist, a Haredi does not work for a living. Haredi does uh, does does not allow his daughter any possibility of uh, of getting a degree, uh, and those are chakvala yavor. Um, you know that we can we could speak a long time about the historical reasons for this, about you know which groups came to, to Eretz Yisrael. I'm talking about not hundreds of years ago, but in the last decades of the 19th century and then the 20th century, and the real. It's sort of like the... I understand. The Cherem in Yerushalayim from Rabbi Shuleib Right. And the, and the Kultur Kampf in general between, between Maskilim and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and loyal Torah Jews in Europe was, was just taken and transplanted to Eretz Yisrael where it has thrived in a country that is a bastion country to begin with. You always have a bastion Mentality, and no matter who you are on the political spectrum in Israel, because we are a bastion facing down millions and millions and millions of enemies on our border and billions of them further, further away. While Americans, no matter who they were, even Satmar and Williamsburg, learned that, you know, there's such a thing as respectful coexistence with others. And that is something that could really, really improve quality of life 
here in, in, in Israel, but so far as we resisted. Real Haredim in, in Israel detest anything in America. And, Things and, that are good, it could be very helpful for their kids, are shunned because they sound too American. Playing basketball, uh, not during uh, during Seder, but uh, you know, on an on a, on a, on, on Arab Shabbos when, when everybody's hanging loose. Playing basketball for some yeshivas is enough, not for everybody. But uh, there, there are neighborhoods where there are campaigns for people who have hoops in their private, uh, their private little yards to take them down because it's too, it's too American. And the things wow. that are So what's happened until pretty recently is that if you were American and you came here, if you were very naive, you tried holding on to your American values and uh, educating your kids that were a little different. And you lose half of the kids and the other kids don't want to have anything to do with their parents' Yiddishkeit because they've learned the tried and true, the real, the real Yiddishkeit. Um, so, so in other words, when they would come there, again, just to elaborate, a Haredi person, let's say, raised in some of what we would call the enclave, I don't know if that's the right term, Chicago, Dallas, uh, and New York, goes there to Israel realizes their dream to be Ola, um, has enough money that they think they can survive there. But then when they get there, they say, of course, I'm Haredi. They send, they start sending their children there. And as you say, there's dissonance because the children are hearing from the children around them and their Rebbe, what a Haredi really means. And hmm, so either they move together with their children, jettisoning some of these advantages that we talked about, the uh, I wouldn't call it being liberal, but being understanding, being more open, uh, being friendlier in, in some ways, um, and being understanding, that's, that, that door has to close. Otherwise, they don't have a, a, a community because they don't want to say, well, I'm just going to wear a Kippah Struga now and hang out with the, with, 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 you know, the Mizrachiniks because that's not who they are. So the, the parents and sometimes the older children are in a bind about what to do. And the, and the ones who are most successful eventually wind up, uh, if you can't beat them, join them. And join them whole hog, sometimes to a greater extreme than the people they're, they're imitating. And that has, that has been a, a problem. It's a survival tool here until recently. I think things are changing now. And uh, changing at a at a rate that's picking up uh, every every day, but up until now that has been the case. Americans who've come in have successfully uh, lived Haredi lives here have 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 basically donned the costume and the attitudes of the uh, of the Haredi mainstream here. Which, which we know is very politicized, and you know we can't stop hearing, and that's happened really for years. If you read it, if you read old magazines and journals, it's been going on for such a long time. I, I think we spoke about it ourselves once about how the Novominsker, uh, how it how it ripped his kishkas out about the period of Lavovas that existed between uh, the Haredim and even, you know, what we call the Mafdalniks or whatever. I don't know what they call them now today, but the, uh, and, and he felt this was, was terrible. Like, obviously he was coming here from, from New York and even as, as the, uh, on the Moetzes and the Aguda, he said, this type of Sinas Achim is, 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 is it's, it's a bazillion to Claudia's role. That it's a few decades there. ago, the, the Boston Rebbe, the previous Boston Rebbe, sure. uh, 
uh, in an interview. You can't say the Boston Rebbe today unless you tell me which one it is. Like, which one? Right, yeah. Right. There's Harnof and there's Boston and et cetera. And there's Borough Park. Borough Park. Right. 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 Uh, but at that time, there was one. And he yeah. said, in his view, what uh, what Israel needs the most is more American Haredim making Aliyah. Because they bring with them a kind of respect for other people, a respect for those who they disagree with. They, they were still this melting pot idea in America. We've given that up now in America. And, uh, you forget about the, about, the, about from Yidden. You know, the, the non-Jews have, have given up on it. We don't aim for a melting pot anymore. We, we go for uh, maximizing our differences. And, okay, right. uh, well, that's the guys. It's a victimhood. That, that's a very, very unfortunate turn in American uh, American culture. But at the time, melting pot, the, the idea of a melting pot was still very much in vogue. And, and people had learned to do it. They'd learned to live with others, both, both their co-religionists and others. And the Boston never said that, that this is something that Israel could tremendously benefit from. If what we can do is you can't have a couple of Americans wagging their fingers at their Israeli compatriots and saying, you know, you got it all wrong. You got to listen to us. We Americans have it right. You can only do that by sort of having strength by of numbers and building your own communities. And you, and then- you, you mentioned that uh, off when we weren't recording once that there is a movement to have American type shows. There is some sort of sense of, of right. I don't know how that's happening. Are, are you hearing the footsteps of that occurring? Uh, definitely hearing the footsteps of the occurring. It's occurring. It's not just footsteps. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, yeah, I can't point to hundreds of places, but Israelis themselves are, are clamoring for it. They're clamoring for it in the Dati Lumi communities as well. Uh, so this is what I wanted to, I wonder, you know, and, and I, I want to take it back one thing in Israel and back to America for a second. We know that one of the things I was very surprised about when I came to Eretz Israel was that Dati Lumi or Mizrachiniks even, you know, although there was B'nai Akiva that had some boys and girls, the schools were all separate, right? In other words, Chorev and all these schools, no, they don't have mixed schools, right? right? The, the schools were separate. And the, the people that were, the, the Rabbeim there, they weren't just like the Israeli Shluchim that I was familiar with who could train their kids to do Chidon Tanakh. These guys knew how to learn. These guys went to the yeshivas, either when they went to Gush, they went to Karen Vyavne. And it, I'm not talking about outliers like Yuval Sherlo and others, but let's talk about Rabbanim who, who are in the Hester Yeshivas that are Givaldikat Aminichachamim. And I don't just mean the old European ones like, you know, Shlomo Fisher and others, uh, who got Stellers because they needed something over there. Uh, or they were, they were Beponovichers that got a job. I'm talking about Enochinami, no jacket. Um, keep us, but they can learn, and they know, and they're oimed, and they're medactic. They 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 are the ones responsible for so much incredible Torah on the internet, and 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 it's and the makayrus are so I can imagine. And you tell me if you think this could happen. Here's a Haredi sort of who comes to America, comes there to Israel. He can't stand the sort of like my way or the highway of who he thinks is his Haredi cousin. And therefore, he turns a little bit to the left and says, you know, there's none of this in America, the type of, you know, Avas the type of Diktuk and Mitzvos. Okay, okay, Yomatzmut, they're off, other things. 
but they really learn and they really care and 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 and, and they're involved and, and and many of them are the Rav Shunot and some of them are sitting on on the Bate Dinim. Uh, I'm going to join them. Uh, you know, Eretz Chemda, here I come. And and, mm-hmm. and right. And, and, and good choice with Eretz Chemda. I'm a big fan. Yeah. So so I'm saying that might also be something that could happen because in other words, Haredi comfortability there in in America might mean look. That's not me. This is this is more in tune with what I'm about, and you know what the 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 physical characteristical change that that's that's so petty. I'm joining up. Do you think do you think that could happen, or is it happening? It 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 could happen, perhaps. But but take a case in point, which is a maybe a pointing in a, a different direction. We had just in the last year, year and a half, the COVID hotels, which entire yeshivas were exiled to. And in one of them in particular, dozens, probably hundreds of B'nai Torah from different yeshivas, including the including the Dati Lumi yeshivas. And you saw these, what I thought were beautiful videos of of, uh, of of them learning together, and you know, like uh, Panovich is the learning across the table from uh, Gushniks, from Gushniks, and arguing about the same kitzos. And then you know, you saw the ruach and the singing and the dancing, and then they had the infamous debate when they decided that the two teams were each going to field a representative to talk about you know which is the the right mahalachayim. And uh, essentially, what happens? We know who won, and it wasn't. It wasn't. The, it wasn't the Haredim. Not because they didn't have interesting arguments, and that really was the, the toelus of it. That both sides heard a good presentation of the other. But the people from the Datilumi community were just so much more sophisticated in presentation and communication skills. So that that gave them an advantage. But everybody was very happy with it. Each side said they heard things about the other they had never imagined. So this all sounded like really good, right? And this is what you're talking about. This kind of cross-pollinization is, pollination is very good. But then it was only a matter of days. There there came uh, the the edicts from B'nai Brak that, that no, no yeshiva guys who were ordered to go to the yeshiva to them because it's a sakana. It's a corner to the Ruchnius because oh, yeah. there are all kinds of terrible things. So <laughs> realize that is, as much as what you're saying and what I believe to be true as well is very is very inviting. There is going to be a lot of a lot of pushback. You know, you know I, I'm, I think I'm, that I don't think you're going to see an establishment change. I think the change is going to come from individuals. We are kind of acting on their own and the, and and finding that they have enough of a critical mass to band together and do some of these things and feel yeah. that they yeah, can yeah. withstand the pressure. Yeah. I think one of the things that that might stop it from happening, other than what you're saying, is that um, even in let's say the Maftal Hevra, and again I'm I'm painting it with too broad of a brush, they're also in in my mind sort of stuck in a certain type of mentality where let's say a Haredi fellow would like to keep the lavush of 
his Haredi, he would sort of feel the pressure. Hey, you're not the rov. You know, the Rashiva wears the frock, not you. You know, the Rashiva is black, white. And, and I think that there's, unfortunately, Eretz Yisrael was so fragmented that even those more open-minded would, I, I think, would exert without realizing it, how strong it was, pressure on our theoretical uh, immigrant to sort of like, come on, conform, okay? And that might mean, you know, uh, things that they might not be so comfortable with, even if it's in terms of sleeve lengths and other things like that. And it's unfortunate because, as you say, there's so much like the COVID hotels. I wasn't aware of the phenomena that 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 bonds them together. And and to me, this is you know it, it rips my kishkas out to hear about it because to me, the language of Torah is the ultimate unifier. Everything else is just it's really chitzonious and it's just it's the gloves you wear in order to handle the precious metal which which you bask in and and, and just lights up your eyes Uh, let's end over here with back in in the united states for a minute you know as well as i do i mean you're you're about a decade older than i am but we're sort of like you know (laughs) i would say you're five years younger and i'm five years older (laughs) than my chronological age maybe you're even younger than that but i'm saying despite the 10-year difference between us i think in many ways we are bound together because i'm sort of like i i operate older than myself and i think you have never let yourself become uh uh that your chitzonius has never been at your previous despite how gray you are now but here's the point um when we come back here to the to, to the U.S., you we we know that let's say why you today, boy, that is a different. That looks like when when we were growing up, we would say that's super yeshivish, right? I mean, when we were growing up, we knew why you had very besides there was Reb Volk, there was Reb David Lipschitz, you know, we knew that, and these were these old Europeans who got jobs, Baruch Hashem, but we knew that the Bismedrish was not going to be stark with a cult there weren't going to be people coming in to be Shoyulameshivs who look like they came out of Lakewood, but that's the way it is now, and many of these why you Rabbonim really, and again, you, you know many of them yourself, Really, in many ways, what's really the difference between them and diktuk mitzvahs and the way they look uh, than what we than what's called Haredi, right? They're, they're, they, they might articulate it, but you don't really see it uh, like like in an actual way, do you? Um, I th- I think you do, and I. Uh... I, first of all, a lot of them will tell you that they don't know what to call themselves. Call me modern Orthodox, but I can't. I, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not functioning the way so many other people who are called modern Orthodox are. Call me Haredi. That's not quite accurate either. So I guess I'm living someplace in between. But if you ask me secretly, which one do I lean to more than the other? It would be the Haredi world. Uh, uh, which is Abbasatera. But there are, there still are differences. I think it was Professor Marvin Fox, who many, many, many decades ago wrote in a, in a classic article that the, the two differences between modern orthodoxy, which he presumed to be just as Nizar in Torah Nitzis, uh, which unfortunately is not always the case, um, and, and uh, Haredi Yiddishkeit was two elements and I think those are both still true. One was an acceptance, indeed, for the state of Israel, as the state of Israel, 
without all the epithets and all the uh, and the you know that the, this stuff must come from the Sitrach or whatever, and and a feeling that this is the homeland of the Jews, and um, and uh, and that we should we should actively support it, and B, and B, a a feeling that a certain amount of cultural of of acculturation in the better parts, and don't be so cynical. There are some better parts of of non Jewish culture out there that are worthwhile emulating. That that they're less hung up about it. That they that they won't burn their diploma if they have one to begin with, and uh, they will uh, send their kids to little league and might even have a Thanksgiving celebration and even tell their kids positive things about Martin Luther King. That still is a difference between the right wing of the modern Orthodox world and, uh, and the Haredi world. Don't those so, things, but those things sound so petty in the big picture. They sound like, like, like the difference between uh, a Zad and a Bekesha and a polyester Bekesha, or the difference between a Spodik, you know, and a Streimel. Um, yeah, I, I know that it's really more than that. And especially if you read, you know, this forum of the Gdewech Siddhas uh, against the, whether, well, I mean, like the Samarov and the Munkantra, but, you know, it, it would seem that uh, these Rabbonim, whether it's a Herschel Shachter, uh, or others, could anybody be more of a of a ishatayra, right? You know, can anybody be more than ishatayra virtual shechter? Right? It's 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 impossible to find in America a greater ishatayra than a virtual shechter. I, I and he has a, a lot of admirers in the yeshiva world who see him as being completely honest about 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 halacha without politicizing it, which they're not so comfortable with saying with some of their, the figures that they find on their block. And they will therefore go to reversal Shechter and not go to the, uh, to the, the, the some the, of their own, some of their own Haredi Shirabonim, in other words. Right. So, right. It, so it, it would seem like we say, you know, and, and it's probably, maybe it's all attributable to Satmarov in terms of the push to the right. Maybe there are other factors. But I would say the the fact that Haredi Yiddishkeit became so comfortable taking over the five towns in many ways, in many places in the five towns, which with its wealth and um, let's call it the spade of spade, the luxurious uh, gishmak, right? Uh, the Kiddushin, the Hasanas, the things. Part of that, I think, had its effect that the modern Orthodox said, you know what, there's a lot of that, that that we can follow. And as Torah strengthens these Rabbonim that we talked about, and I would say um, Rav uh I would say uh, there's there's a number of them, uh, the ones that I, as I work as a mashkiach, so I need to call the OU. There's a number of OU poskim mm-hmm. who are YU musmachim mamish, and they are medactic chalav chamura when it comes to hilchas kashras, even more than some of the other kashras organizations. So it is, it really is, I think, um, you know, a misnomer uh, to say uh, that's what I am. I'm I'm with the Haredim. I think there's that America uh, has the Haredi success has not only created these enclaves that we talked about out of town, but they've also really changed the mahus 
of what it means to be, you know, your Orthodox, your modern, what we call a more modern Orthodox Rov. And that I think is, uh, uh, to me, not so much a, a sociological victory of of of, of the success of Haredishkeit, but the fact is is that um, the message, the 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 success of the message of Torah, that and 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 the sharing that there is in Torah. You know, if people look back in COVID and they, um, I, I hope we can start saying we're looking back. <laughs> I, I hope so. But when they think about those psukim that Rev Herschel Schechter generated, and um, I, I know Bashevkin wrote about it in a piece, uh, I think a year or two ago, and I I felt exactly the same way. Who's posketing? Who's posketing for America? Who's posketing these shilas? The Talmud of Rav Yosheber is posketing these shilas. The Talmud of, of of the one that we used to call, and you remember, uh, I, I I feel terrible because, but we used to say JB, right? That's what we said, JB. What what is what's JB doing, right? J JB's a Talmud, Lahavdu is pasquing again and then you have this other of which we can use for another time which of course is Usher Weiss that Usher Weiss is the darling of the of, of the Welt the darling of you know he's, he's speaking in Tinek I think this week together with a number of other uh, of modern orthodox Rabbonim not that he's one but I'm saying I, I, to me it's the primacy of Tyra and the more we're, we're, we're tied into that primacy I think the healthier we are, and I, I, I know it's. I, I think that's a fair way, a fair way to conclude with with all of our chipping away at some of the simplicity and saying, you know, it's complicated. The one thing that we can say categorically is that there was an explosion of appreciation of quality Torah, of the place that it has in the community, of the place that it has in individual people's lives, and that is uh, cause for huge celebration. You see the luster of Torah, even if we do our best sometimes to then drag it into the mud. But what still persists is this realization that Torah is what holds us together. It, it, it can build communities. It can create the bond between, between generations. We've seen this all on communal levels, again, in city after city after city. And that, uh, Baruch Hashem, is something we roll Zohar to see, and we should put it to good use. Yes, and of course, and that is a great way to end, especially as we talk about the challenges we still have to meet. Rabbi Yitzchak, catch you again. Mir Hashem. Today is Purim Katan. Sometime uh, in, in Purim Godel, we hope to bring in your godless Hamoichen, uh, and hopefully that'll be soon. Next month, we hope. Take care, everybody. Shkoyach again. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.